Welcome friends to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. New solutions for anxiety are here. Laura Mellon is our guest today here on Someone Gets Me, and she comes to us from a town near Dallas, Fort Worth, and Texas, and I'm over here in Florida. And so here we are talking about anxiety. And interestingly, I have many clients that have anxiety, and the thing that really draws me to Laura and her expertise is the fact that she's an acupuncturist and she is a traditional Chinese medicine guru, but the thing about it is she gets the technical, neat, geeky stuff that we all love so much. So I'm gonna ask her all kinds of great questions. She's gonna tell us great stories, and Laura and I are going to help you have solutions for anxiety and other challenges along the way. So grab your pen and paper, grab your tea or your coffee and hang out with us for a little while while we talk about these things. And I might even ask her some things about COVID and things like that because she is an expert on some things that aren't typically talked about. So Laura, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to be here with us on Someone Gets Me. And it is an absolute pleasure to be here and thank you for inviting me. We are going to have so much fun. And so I'd like to start a little bit with, tell us a little bit about who Laura is. Like, has there ever been a time where you, you, were, you weren't understood by other people because you got into things they didn't really think about mm -hmm. or things like that? Give us a little bit about, you know, whatever comes to mind of who you are. Uh, let's see. I started playing with my first microscope when I was seven. And my parents would be playing bridge with their friends in the other room. And I'd be looking at something like dirt that I would get underneath the microscope or sugar or whatever I could get my hands on. And I would take it out to my parents like, oh, my God, you have to see this. This is what we couldn't see before. Look at how cool this is. So I think it started at a really young age, the need to understand all the tiny stuff because we lose track of how the tiny affects the big when we're looking at the big mm. picture. And that's pretty critical, actually. Uh, let's see. Mom was a nurse. Thank God I probably wouldn't have survived my childhood. Um, dad was very heavy in science as well. So that's probably where I got a lot of that background. And so what do you mean you wouldn't have survived childhood if, if your oh. mom wasn't a nurse? Were you out there causing all kinds of trouble and getting hurt and stuff? Or what, what do you mean? <laughs> Pretty much, pretty much. I grew up on a block of boys. Uh, I broke my arm the first time by age three, fell off the table. Oh no. Yeah. Um, I had stitches by five in my chin. I had them again a second time. Uh, crushed my elbow, broke my ankle a couple of times, concussions. Played football with the boys on the block before teenagehood kicked in. And then my parents said no more of that. And yeah, so she was constantly putting me back together. There was, <laughs> there's a small story. <laughs> There was one point where we're all playing hide and go seek and there was a tree out front that you had to get to base, right? Neighbor had a back way. We could go through the gate to our house and go in her house and come out the front. Well, I was trying to avoid going through the door because I knew somebody would be looking for me going into her house. And so I went to the doggy door. I wasn't very big. My mom started calling my name 
you parents out there, you know how this is. You call the first name. Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. You call the first two names. Like she's she's getting serious. All three names. You show up or leave country. I mean, you just do. And so I backed out and I sliced my armpit and I came out and I'm all in a huff about this. My arms like this. I'm like, what? Like. Why are you interrupting me from this? I had him. I had him right where I wanted. And blood goes, <laughs> and my mom looks at me and goes, what? what have you done now? What have you done now? So off to the doctor we went, and I got stitches in my armpit. So, <laughs> thank God my mom was a nurse. That, that brings, thank God my mom was a nurse to a whole new level. <laughs> and She's so I guess- woman. And so it's no accident that you are in the healing profession and those kinds of things. And so what drew you to traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture and, and this way of healing? Because that's different than being yeah. a Western medicine nurse. So, so how did that happen? That's very interesting. My mom actually had a bad head injury and it was a work-related one. Um, it affected her for several years. And my husband and I were living in DC and she was getting, she couldn't get the pain under control. The medication was, I mean, there were two pills that would knock everything out, but she could only keep them down for about 15 minutes before she threw them up. And so I was talking to her from DC, mom, that's not good. You know, you should go and this and this. And so we ended up moving home to Texas so I can help my dad with her. And um, she was hitting walls. I finally got her to a chiropractor, but it wasn't a structural issue. And so she was still in pain. This was a head injury. And then she, uh, she said, okay, now what? And so I said, well, how about you try acupuncture? And, and just like the first time with chiropractic, I'd never been to a chiropractor. She said, you first, I want to see you after three months. I'm like, but there's nothing wrong with me. So that was what I was told going into the acupuncturist was I would be first and the things that happened there I was just shocked the things that you can tell from physical inspection um pulses and tongue are they're just they were jaw-dropping I mean things that I hadn't told anybody because I didn't even realize completely what they were at the time I hadn't put things together so what do you mean by pulses like, uh, you have three pulses on each wrist. Um, technically, you have more than that because you have a lot of vasculature, but anyway. Um, so we check on the left wrist. We do the heart, the liver system, and then the kidney system. And then on the right, we do the lung system, the spleen system, and the kidney system. And the two kidneys are treated slightly differently. They, they kind of handle different things. That's why you see them on different wrists. And of the pulses, you have 28 common irregular pulses. So you have to learn how to check for those and you piece together when these two are together, you can it can indicate such and such. Um, mm -hmm. When generally it's feeling what's called wiry, you can expect there to be a high level of stress or a higher level of pain, stuff like that. You can tell when somebody can't sleep well based on the position up here. Um, I've picked up um, fibrillations off of this pulse just because there's a particular irregular pulse that'll tell you about that. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Would never have thought I would be doing this. And there was a needle phobe. Did I mention that? Yeah. No, you were a needle phobe and here oh you my are. God. My brother had to hold my hand. My mother's comment was, we knew she was close to death when they asked to take blood and she would just lay her arm down. That was, I mean, it was bad. They always blew my veins. It hurt. I was little. So, yeah. 
a big call when she said you first. <laughs> so that just shows how much you love your mother, right? That yeah, that you you agreed to do do it first. So what what happened that you then decided, oh, I have to I have to go learn this like professionally. I I was in a different field and I had been seeing an acupuncturist similar to what you have found, you know, the maintenance that you do keeps the body stronger. And so I was seeing her and every time I saw her, I, I would have like six to 10 questions and she would be trying to answer them as much as she could. But I kept coming from the Western perspective because my undergrad was in bio and chem and I kept trying to overlap everything and you can't really too well. Um, and so it went from just casual interest to kind of, let's not use the word obsession. Let's just say really deep levels of interest. <laughs> and uh, she finally looked at me and she said, you just, you just need to walk away from what you're doing and go to school. And I was like, no, I'm just going to talk to you. And she was right. So I went and it was the most mind blowing experience. I think it was really cool that I had so much in Western already because I had started out as pre-med from the Western perspective and had walked away from that because there were things I had seen. Before you could do your MCAT, they used to tell you, you need to do about 300 community service hours in a hospital. You'll love this. I was at a hospital called Robert H. Dedman. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Irony. So I was there and you see things, you know, people, it's very corporatized and very, um, it, it doesn't address, care in the way that a lot of us look for care now. So I saw things I didn't agree with, um, particularly if you had the wrong piece of paper, especially little old people that would come in with a broken hip or a broken arm or something. Um, they couldn't get anything, even an aspirin, until they had gone to the hospital where their piece of paper was accepted. And that, that was a fundamental shift for me. So yeah. then years later, I find Chinese medicine and go to school and graduate. And here I am. Four boards, four painful board exams later, here I am. So how long have you been practicing traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture? About four years. Four years, wow. Yeah, yeah. but uh, it's been good. It's been really good. And there is so much information in this field that you, you are constantly going to be learning. There, you cannot assimilate 2,000 years of information you know, in four years, just, there's just no way. And so you just keep learning and learning and learning and learning. Oh, and, that, and that's the part of you that's really exciting because you love to yeah. learn and you love to dive deep into things and very much and know about the, the stuff most people kind of just gloss over and go, oh, that's kind of fun. That's kind of fun. So I know that you uh, put a lot of effort into helping people with anxiety and depression and things mm -hmm. like that, that then I work with a lot of people with anxiety and depression and not all the Western medicine ways of looking at it are effective. Mm -hmm. And the one that particularly gets my attention is labeling somebody as mentally ill mm -hmm. um, yeah. with those things, because I've been in the mental health field for many years and that just doesn't feel right to me. Mm -hmm. So from your perspective, when if somebody was to present to you and say, Laura, I've got anxiety, walk us through a little bit about how you see anxiety. Like what would you start thinking and asking you and that and how would it look and be? And what are the solutions that you would start to offer that person 
if that was what they said. So if I came to you and said, I'm really anxious and I have anxiety, how would that look if I came to you versus like a, a, you know, a psychiatrist that would say, here's a medicine? Well, first of all, um, I'm, not a, I'm not a therapist. So I'm not going to be the person to help walk someone through the, how, to, how to think through what's creating that anxiety or that right. depression. But I will say this, anytime you have a condition like that in the body, you're dealing with physical impacts to the rest of the body. Yes. Okay. So mm -hmm. that's really what I address. So when you come in and you say, I have anxiety, I start looking at, okay, how's your sleep? What's going on with your bowels? That usually surprises people. Um, we talk a lot about pee and poop in Chinese medicine. Um, how's your diet? You know, what time specifically are you waking up or, you know, are you having a hard time falling asleep or staying asleep? Um, How's your concentration? Are you getting really irritable? I take a look at the pulses. I take a look at the tongue. The tongue will usually present more red um, when somebody is dealing with anxiety. If there is a lot of irritability associated with like people are just driving them nuts. Um, when you have people who are worrying constantly about things they can't control or things they're trying to get done. You know, it's a very different type of anxiety. Then you're more likely to see a tongue that's a bit swollen. It might be more on the pale pink side. An interesting little factoid, um, coating on the tongue can be made to look patchy by the use of those antibiotics or anti-anxiety medications. They can be kind of slimy. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm gonna walk through the, the standard questions about you know, tell me how you feel in these areas. I'm going to check them over to see what's going on on the interior. And from there, I'm going to put together, there's no, there's no, there's really no set of points, you know, oh, you have anxiety. I'm going to put these six needles in. It, it doesn't work because how it's affecting you physically isn't the same as how it affects somebody else physically. It's just like the flu. I mean, not everybody's going to feel like throwing up every 10 minutes, you know, some people just have headaches and can't sleep and a sore throat. Um, so it just, it varies. That said, there are also formulas depending on how extreme anxiety is that I would put patients on. Some of them, you don't want them on formulas for very long. Others, you know, they can be on them longer term. One of the things that concerns me the most with anxiety is you'll see people who have fine tremors. And you can tell that when you have them hold a piece of paper and you'll see this. That's a sign of things in the body generating more of a heat pattern. And one of the things that people tend to confuse in a heat pattern is they automatically associate it with a febrile condition. But you have to understand that when, it's almost a different language. When they started talking and trying to categorize this stuff, it was you know a couple thousand years ago. So they went with what they could see that would stay universal. So hot, cold, wind, when they talk about a wind condition, what that means is it comes on suddenly. That's all that means. So it's, it, it's a different language, but when you start to learn the words and, and figure out the code, it gives you the ability to handle roots of problems. Anxiety doesn't usually start by things in the body being out of whack. It's usually the other way around. It creates. Um, you have things that, like, um, easy one is kidney system deficiency. You'll often find um, asthma. You may find low back pain, tinnitus, weak knees, that kind of thing. Those things will start up 
And then what's the most likely thing that follows? I can't sleep or I don't sleep well. So mm. anxiety is kind of the opposite way that this whole domino effect starts to begin. So then that would mean that if I was having anxiety or somebody's listening to us and they have some anxiety, that one of the benefits of acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine is helping regulate and balance the body and get its flow going so that it can work better, which then will positively impact the anxiety, meaning make it either go down or go away. Did I get that right? Or do you I have did, it backwards? You did. No, no, no. You, you, you did very well with that. Um, on the nerdy side of things, what this comes down to is <laughs> you, you are stimulating chemicals in the brain that are natural opiates. These are called, oh, crud, the word just flew out of my head, uh, endorphins. Endorphins. <laughs> Uh, endorphins, which are, are good for taking you out of that state of anxiety because they're the happy, the happy drug, right? Another good one with acupuncture is the point that's right here in Tong. Um, you have been in the mental health care and you understand aspects of brain. So when I talk to you about fight or flight versus rest and digest, you already know, and probably many of the people with anxiety know, that they're going to be sitting in more of a fight or flight then they're going to be in a rest and digest. Mm -hmm. And this point right here, when you put it in, and, and you can even do tapping on it to help. Um, it will actually, the, the goal is to take the brain out of as much as possible, fight or flight, and move it into rest and digest. Now, I have had a patient that uh, this involves some severe PTSD in addition to anxiety. Um, the amygdala had literally, has literally taken over. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so that point is actually uncomfortable. She can't keep it in. So we have to do other points. But that's the beauty of acupuncture. There are over a thousand points on the body from various different systems. If one doesn't work, I promise, I promise we can find another one. Don't worry. Oh, I love that. A thousand different points mm -hmm. all over. And yes. so there's always a way to get to the solution. It's like there's more than one way to skin the cat, so to speak. Like, okay, if this one's really uncomfortable, then we can still help that system just mm -hmm. using different points, right? Yes, yes. Oh, I love that. And That's your so auricular acupuncture is a, is a phenomenal system. Um, now it's, it's beneficial for patients if you, if you want them to be able to increase the efficacy of the treatment because they can go home with them. And they're, they, they're on, I mean, think of a quarter inch by a quarter inch piece of Band-Aid in a square. Now, they're not necessarily the most attractive things in the world, um, although they do make some with crystals. They're, they're a tiny needle that's, I don't, I don't really have nails. I would say you're looking at about, at most, two-eighths of an inch, maybe. Mm -hmm. I mean, so they're really, really short. But you don't, you don't have a lot of skin in here. You know, you, don't, you have cartilage. So when we put those in, because they're so close to the brain, the neural connection is much shorter, it's much faster. So there are points to reduce anxiety. There are points to, there's even a point called the happy point. Um, ironically, it's on the back of the ear. There's an anti-anxiety on the front. Um, there's stuff for, I know it's, there, you would be shocked at how many points there are. There's over a hundred points in the ear. You, and you look at that and you're like, how, how am I gonna make sure I get the right point every single time? And the beauty of acupuncture is, there is, there is a, a plus minus in that space. You know, in an ear, it's much smaller than it is down on the body but it's, 
it's there. You don't have to take it out and put it back in and take it out and, you know, torture your patient in the process. Right. It's like, just not nice. You know, I, in fact, I had acupuncture earlier today and, and somebody said, oh, I can't do acupuncture because uh, you, know, you feel like a pin cushion. And I'm like, actually, no, I don't feel like a pin cushion. I can tell when she hits the right meridian because I can feel it go in. And today she put one was on my leg and I felt it in my arm at the exact same place she put one in my arm later. And she goes, ah, oh, that's great. She goes, You're, it means it's already starting to work. I said, I'm real sensitive energetically. That's why I love acupuncture because yeah. it, it completely works with my body really well. Like, I love it. You'll find that people who think it doesn't work from them, um, there's usually a cheese stagnation problem. Um, so if, if you were thinking of, everybody hears these terms, chi and blood, and everybody goes, what the heck is chi? So we're going to start with blood. Blood in the old Chinese does not translate to the red stuff flowing in our veins directly. Everything in Chinese is more, no, it is a more, it is more a concept than a direct translation. The Western world is very literal. We are, or, pardon me, very linear. We want a one for one. And Eastern is more concept. So those radicals will be an idea more than they will actually be a single word. And then they layer them all together and da 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 da. But shui, which is the word for blood in Chinese medicine, actually refers to the things that are nourishing for the body. So it's, it's not just blood, it's, it's the things that are in blood as well or carried within the bloodstream a lot of times, or can even be stuff that crosses a cell membrane via a transport protein. I mean, it, it just depends, but it's, it is geared towards speaking to what is, the body needs to have the machine keep going the way it's going. Now, if you look at chi and blood like a boat and a river, obviously the boat's going to be the blood because it's carrying supplies, it's going to take away waste, it's going to do its thing. The chi is the river. So if the river is moving slow, the boat's going to move really slow. If the chi is moving normally, the boat's just going to move along. But if the chi isn't moving, then the boat's going north. So it doesn't matter how the boat is loaded up. If you don't have the chi moving, it's, it's not going to go. And you find that when people are, especially those people who are anxious or depressed, the, the chi has been kind of locked up a bit. Um, so the goal is to release that, to, to help. And a lot of that will tie to what's known as the liver system. And it, in some instances, it will tie more menstrual. It will tie towards the actual viscera itself. Um, keeping in mind that the liver has 200 jobs. It's a very busy organ. Please take care of it. So when, you, when you're talking about blood moving with regard to pain, you have to have chi moving. And people who sit there and they say, well, I don't feel anything, I'm not feeling anything, that's when you need to really be manipulating the needles a bit. Not to the point that it, it's painful to the patient, because most of these patients that are at that point, they don't feel anything. They, I mean, you, you put the needle in and they're just like, yeah, nothing's going on. So you, you want to stimulate the chi to move. And for the chi to complete one full cycle in the body is 22.8 minutes. So I'm a big fan of having people marinating, which is what I call it, marinating in needles for 45. Because I, I have found that if you just take the time to get two good cycles, they feel so much better. Insurance can create some constraints. How your clinic is set up can create some constraints. But if you can get 45 minutes, that is a better plan. So chi movement, 
very critical when it comes to getting that feeling that you get that not everybody else gets. Oh, okay. That's really cool. So if somebody um, was, didn't have 45 minutes, but they could do over the 22.8, like they could do 25 minutes if, within their practice, that still would work really well. Sure, sure. sure. Right. Okay. So how does somebody who's got anxiety start to make changes. So if there's somebody listening to you right now, a lot of the gifted people that I work with have, have what they call anxiety. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people in the country probably and in the world right now could probably say, I have some anxiety going on. And if they're sitting in their house, and of course, we're going to put all your contact information in the show notes so they could email you or find, call you or find an acupuncturist could help them. Is there something they can do or to think about nutritionally or otherwise that could support their system or maybe nourish it or maybe help give some relief that's just not a pharmaceutical. What, yes. what would you tell oh that person? Yes. Oh, I love this subject. This, this is a fantastic question. So nutrition, people forget that we are really just a lump of cells that have a whole lot of chemistry going on. We are walking, talking chemical reactions. So Everything you put in the body, everything your body contacts is a chemical reaction for the body. So yes, a couple things that I would absolutely suggest. You need a good omega-3. Why do we like omega-3s? Omega-3s, and specifically the EPA, that's eicosapentaenoic acid, you want the whole word, um, it reduces inflammation. And in a lot of people, I should back up a little bit, in a lot of people, one of the common denominators for depression and for uh, anxiety, heart disease, um, gastroenteral issues, infertility is inflammation in the body. I mean, you pick a topic, dementia, Parkinson's. So if you can, and it's usually contributed to largely with diet. I mean, we, our society is not the best at, we like packaged, processed, and easy and quick. So you have to work against that to get the inflammation down. That said, omega-3s, specifically the EPA, are good at reducing inflammation. DHA is a really good one because it'll cross the blood-brain barrier as well, and it is very much necessary for a lot of the neurological behavior in the brain. Um, A little aside, those of you out there who like sushi, the best way to get good quality, like bang for buck on your, your... DHA quantity is fish roe. Salmon is a good one. Flying fish. Uh, I want to say cod's another another one. Um, I don't. I get a lot of salmon roe, so I don't worry about the rest of them. But I can salmon find that information. Roe. I'm roe. writing that down. Yeah. Down. Okay. You can get, yeah. And and don't you don't necessarily need to get it wrapped up in a bunch of other stuff. I mean, just get it on the rice with a little piece of seaweed and throw it down. Kids will eat this too. You just bury it in their food. Right. It looks like little round candies. So I always hear things about omega-3, 6, and 9. Yeah. Is there a difference? I mean, like you're saying omega-3, EPA, DHA. Okay, I got that part. Well, what about like omega-6 and omega-9? Do we need those two or do we just only focus on omega-3? No, no, no. Um, Omega-6s and 9s are important too, but we have so much of it already in our diet. That if we go way back in time uh, to when people were settling by oceans and you know agricultural stuff was just barely starting 
they went back and they've assessed aspects of the brain development that was going on. And they found that it was better in the people who lived next to cold water places for fish than it was for people who lived by grain. So that should tell you, even from the very beginning, since your brain is mostly fat, you, the marine fat is obviously something that is necessary for its health and continued progress. Um, sixes and nines, not the same. They are, for the, for the most part, already in a lot of our dietary products. Think grains, pastas, um, all of the cereals, rice. I mean, it's, it's all over the place. Um, so going way back in the day, like we were starting, the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6, so this is omega-3 and this is omega-6, was about 1 to 4. Mm -hmm. Today's ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 is about 1 to 25. Ooh. Way out of balance. And this is why we have so much inflammation going on. And inflammation, the, one of the main things you'll, you'll immediately notice with it is it creates pain. And a lot of people out there are in pain. It interferes with vasculature. It can lead towards the atherosclerosis. It interferes with heart activity. Um, when people have pain, they tend to be more stressed. Cortisol is produced. You get into brain activity with pituitary and the HPA axis. That's the hippocampus, or pardon me, the sorry, the hypothalamus, pituitary, and adrenal axis. So when those things happen, things start to go sideways, both in the limbic system, which is where emotion sits, um, and in the rest of the body. So each time you see stressors going up and you aren't bringing down that inflammation, you're just kind of snowballing and dominoing a problem. So omega-3, that would be your EPA and the DHA. Omega-6, the main one is linolenic acid. I tend to have a problem saying that. Um, it, can be it can be produced um, in the body, but it's not an efficient process. And omega-9s, um, it's the only one that's monosaturated, which means that the molecule is strictly single bonded, which is just good for a trivia question for most people. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it can reduce, it, it can reduce inflammation, but here's where marketing comes in and you have to watch carefully. Omega-9s work in that capacity and, and also in the reduction of insulin, they've seen some studies on that. If you are using omega-9 to replace saturated fat in your diet, and in that instance, yes, you will see you know, the reduction in inflammation, you'll see the increase in insulin sensitivity, you, good things can happen. Is it going to night and day everything? No, it's one step in, a, in, in the puzzle of getting better. Everybody wants that magic bullet, and there really isn't one out there. You have to do multiple things. It took multiple things to get you in the mess you're in. It's going to take multiple things to get you out of it. And that's a really big point, you know, because we live in a culture that wants the magic bullet or wants yes. the one pill or the one thing that will take care of it. And, and I run into that with my clients and people around me all the time. Like, what's the one thing? What's the one thing? And I'm like, well, there's not the one thing first of all. And second of all, there's so many factors that that's just a ridiculous question, but everybody's trained that way. Give me the one anti-anxiety pill and everything will be better. But nobody talks about the consequence of not taking care of the cause and of the, of the consequence of whatever that medicine's doing to your body, because right. it's de definitely toxic. 
Adverse drug interactions and adverse uh, drug reactions. Absolutely. Yes. You just said it way better than I did. Yes. <laughs> so, so that's why I'm asking you all these questions because I know a lot of people are saying, okay, they're starting to wake up in this culture mm -hmm. a little bit and say, okay, there's something else. There's something mm -hmm. else. Maybe just maybe there's something else. And my theory has always been, well, this has been around for 2000 years. Some of the other stuff's been around for a couple hundred maybe. And so therefore yeah. I'm going to go with the old thing first. I'm going to see, I'm going to be curious. Yeah. I'm going to allow myself to check it out. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean it's one or the other or one no. is bad and one is good. It means, Thank you for saying that. It means what's working, what works yeah. and, yeah. and how does it work for us? So let me ask you this question. Okay. Okay, somebody's going to start taking omega-3s because they're listening to this conversation and they're going to go find the EPA, DHA kind, right? And make sure that's there. Right. What's another way for them to help them with their anxiety? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle back to omega-3 for half a second. When you do this, you are going to look for the omega-3s and you're going to want to do 12 to 1,500 milligrams a day. That's a good starting point. Um, you probably will have fish burps at first because it's helping to scrub the liver. Don't, don't sweat it. They go away. Um, if you can get up to 2,000, awesome. If you want to do, if you love sushi, have and cut your pills, you know, down to one time a day as opposed to two and have a bite of sushi on, on one of those with the row and then do the, the pills for the other. It's a great way to balance. Um, do expect that if you can do this consistently, you're going to want to reevaluate yourself probably at a six-week point. So you may want to Watch how, you know, keep a, a journal, not a, necessarily a daily journal, but, you know, hit it maybe once every three to five days. Um, and you'll, you'll start to see the changes, but you know the drill. Right. Um, well, it's important. I, I always tell everybody, and I do it myself, I have a, my journal that I journal in, but then I also have another journal that has how I'm feeling and different things. Like yeah. if, I'm, if I'm anxious that day or like I, I have had a very stressful career and I've in the last six months, completely changed everything to take the stress out of my body and out of my life. And so there's all of these things that are happening that I'm shifting and changing and adjusting to undo the damage that happened in the previous life, right. I want to say, and also to support moving forward, right? And right. so I have a little journal about this is going on or that's going on, or I um, noticed that it, there went through a period where every single day, every single night, it didn't matter when I went to bed or what happened. I woke up at the very same time within two minutes. So oh, I went to three o'clock. Oh. And so with some, so my acupuncturist was like, oh, okay. And then she just took care of it. Yeah. So then I had to ask somebody else, okay, so what's it mean? And then she said, it's the beginning of the oh. flow that I explained the whole thing. And I'm like, oh, that's exactly what's going on. Like on an energy level, not not a human conscious brain level, but on an energy level, like totally matched. The moment I addressed it and, and made some shifts, it went away. Yep. And and I'm like, this is it was very affirming that I get to be in charge of the outcome here. And then yes, I had a very stressful life for a long time, but that doesn't mean that I'm stuck there. Right. And it's easy for people to feel like they're stuck. Yeah. But when you're in that mental place, you're already so overloaded that that's what you can see right then. You need, that's why you need that person who says, just slow down, wait a minute, come here right. and, and let's talk about this. Right. Because and that, that's the value of having somebody like you in our lives, you know, like the value of having 
somebody who looks at the big picture from a different angle than just the Western angle. Like it's a yes and, I think. And I think when, you, yes. when people give themselves permission to look at things from multiple angles that I call fluid viewing, then there's a lot of freedom in that. Yeah, I look at uh, the Western and Eastern. Okay, before we, I'm gonna say one last thing on the Omega because it's important. There's a lot of really good marketing out there, really crazy marketing. And the best, I'm all about, I don't care where you get it from, just don't waste your money. So when you buy your Omega-3s, go home, get a, get a, get a styrofoam cup, one of the little, you know, about this size, just a little, and get a bowl, put water in the cup, Take one of your gel caps out, punch it, squeeze it in there. If it eats through the styrofoam and the water spills out, you get a good one. If it doesn't, it's probably not going to do that much for you. And there's a load of reasons why, and we can talk about that another time. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to that, that test, and please don't ask me all the ins and outs on the chemistry on it right now because that's a long topic. But right, it, and it, it works. The correlation is there that when you have the ones that work, that, that do that, the, the blood lipids come down, the inflammation comes down, the, the body starts to heal better. So we want an omega-3 that will eat through styrofoam. A little cup, and the way you test that is you put water in the cup, put the oil on there, and when it eats through, the water will spill out. So you don't have to stand there and watch it the whole time. You'll know. You'll come back, the bowl will have water in it. It won't be in the cup. Got it. Okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to try that on my <laughs> omega-3s. Everybody does that. The moment we are done... The geeky self of me is going to go do a science experiment. I love it. That's what I'm going to do. I think that's great. And that's a really tangible thing because people always say, how do I know it's a good one? How do I know exactly what right. brand to get? How do I know? Well, I muscle test everything, but I'm mm -hmm. still going to, I'm still going to check it. That's cool. I just learned something. This is really fun. See, us <laughs> geeky people are having so much fun. So what's okay. another, what's another action somebody can take to help them with anxiety? Let's, let's speak to a minute for the people that are currently on medication, because there's a lot of those out there mm -hmm. too. Oh yeah. Um, Omega-3 will help with that. And to be clear, I am not a Debbie Downer. Uh, I don't believe that Western medicine is, you know, everybody's going to hell if they mm -hmm. take it kind of thing. They both have their limitations and they both have their place. I do believe that one is overutilizing petrochemical and the other one needs a bit more attention and people coming in because even the people who are currently on medication, and you, you got to think about SSRIs and SNRIs, you don't come off of those quickly, not without consequence. I've had a patient or two that had tried to come off of it within a month because of pregnancy, and the ramifications on that are, are not little. You, you will have problems. So if you are wanting to reduce your dose, always, always, always be honest with your doctor about it. And if your doctor says, no, you have to be on this test, go find another doctor. Get a second opinion because somebody out there is going to realize that if they don't help you do this, you're going to do it on your own anyway. You have that power. You just never, ever, ever with an SNRI or an SSRI, um, you never try to just instantly chop it in half. It's, well, it's right. too much for the body. You don't want to take your take it all into your own hands. You know, that's no. like, I believe in hiring the professionals and I'm a yes. professional and, and when I give people direction or, or instruction or homework to do to see how it works or whatever is working for them, we all have our own power and our own way to handle things. And so you want to keep 
going. Like I believe in having both people in my corner and I go and I make sure everybody knows that everybody's present. Like my doctors know that I use a lot of acupuncture and massage and chiropractic Mm -hmm. and I, and that's fine. And I know where all their places are because I've been doing this a long time. And so for somebody who is, is, has a little bit of, or has anxiety or depression, one of the things I would like to say is if you haven't already consulted with an acupuncturist or traditional Chinese medicine person and not tried acupuncture to try to help support your body in its healing, whatever that's going to look like, then you're missing a big part of what you could be doing to help yes. yourself. There's Absolutely. a lot of qualified acupuncture people who can really help support your body and help it heal or mm-hmm. function better, whatever your case may be. So I think that having a blended concept is really, really important. Oh, it's critical. It's absolutely critical because most of the time people with anxiety will have something else going on as well that maybe warrants attention that's outside of our scope of practice. Right. And the beauty of the acupuncture is not only does it help calm the mind, but it can also help your body. We talked about this. Western medication, not the biggest fan, but it's necessary. And it has kind of like a stone in a pond. It's got the ripple effect. Not every, every part of your body is going to be like, oh, yay you know? Right, right. It's going to be like, no, no, I'm just going to shut down for now. You know, I'm not, I'm not even going to play in that party. And and acupuncture will help the body respond better because it, the impacts of that medication that could be weakening the body, the body is able to work past. It is a very good complementary system. If you are on a medication and you are trying to come down off of it, or if you are on a medication that you have to be on, but you are feeling sick from it, this is when you work with acupuncture. Well, this is a good time to anyway. Um, will, the, will the acupuncturist typically try to tell you to get off of all the medications? Yeah, yeah, they probably will. But they also understand when it's not going to be possible that you're just trying to help the body get better. It's kind of like doing uh, treatments for chemotherapy. You're not going to be able to undo the chemo. The chemo is going to take place because 90% of the people they don't usually catch cancer in stage one, you know, it's a, it's a much easier Mm -hmm. fix. Um, so chemo is very poisonous as we all know, people have long lasting effects from it. This is a good way to help work through that angle or work through that problem. Also glutamine. If you are on, if you are dealing with chemo, you take glutamine every day. It's a white flavorless powder. It's a natural occurring amino acid in the body. It just decreases as we get older. It is responsible for a host of things going on in your gut and your gut pretty much rules your body. And on that note, we're gonna springboard back to anxiety and talk about the fact that a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression also has a gut impact. So one of the other things I would always stress, make sure that you're taking a probiotic. You need to have a healthy gut to help the body with nutritional assimilation. If you don't have that, you're just gonna continue in a downward spiral. Don't eat junk food. If you eat a lot of junk food, stop. If you can't stop, cut back and keep cutting back. It's not good. People, okay, we all heard about the trans fatty acid thing, right? That's a big woo brouhaha that came out. Let me break down trans fatty acids for you. So saturated fats and polyunsaturated fats. Saturated fats, S, saturated. S, solid at room temperature. That means that the other one, obviously, is liquid at room temperature, right? Right. Now, 
when people are cooking with margarines a lot and they heat them a lot or oils, like think your prime example, fast food places or even restaurants where you're getting french fries, they have a deep fryer. You think that they change that oil every single time somebody orders their food? No, no they do not. Mm -mm. And this is where it gets to be a real problem. Polyunsaturated fatty acids have a specific bond angle before they are overheated. It is called a cis bond angle. When heat is applied to chemical molecules, these bonds will break. Now, mm -hmm. when the food is taken out, not even always when it's out, it can still be in the fryer, but when, when the, the bonds will reform in what's called a transformation, okay? So we go from cis to trans. Mm -hmm. Can we make this jump now together? Trans right. fatty acid. Trans fatty acids are known carcinogens. Mm -hmm. So they're cancer creators. So when you are reading on your labels of margarine, no trans fatty acids, well, of course not. You haven't heated it yet. Mm. You haven't tried to cook with it on high heat. You haven't thought about what they're cooking your french fries with or your fried chicken with, you know, uh, your fried pickles, whatever it is. I mean, it's in a deep fryer. It's been heated for a long time. Every time you're eating in that, even if it's straight clean oil, and they've got it up at a nice high temp, you already have some of those bond angle changes going on, the breaking and reforming. So watch what you put in your body because you're, you're putting chemistry into a system of chemistry that is going to have interactions. It is guaranteed. Mm, that's my soapbox. All right, that's a good, but that's a good soapbox to be on because a lot of times I don't think people think on that level. Mm -hmm. And and the way things are labeled, they don't warn you in that way. So that makes a lot of sense. So we only have a few minutes, but I have a question I need to ask you. And I want to ask about um, this whole COVID thing. Oh, and um, it's everywhere, as we mm -hmm. know. And there's all kinds of fear and anxiety and depression around it. And, you know, I hear people say, well, boost your immune system or, or do this or do that. And then I've also heard that, that traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture have a lot of solution for it mm -hmm. more than is than people are being told. And, and I try to stay out of all of, all of the, the media hype because most of it's just type anyway. True. And so I know that you're a specialist in all of this. And I know that you, um, because you research and check out all these neat stuff that you have some ideas for some people. And I don't think there's anybody listening to this show that has not been impacted or will not be impacted by COVID directly or indirectly. So do you have some, some ideas or some oh, things yeah. you want to share about it? And then um, what, what are your thoughts? Okay, um, really quick. Uh, Wuhan and another region in China had a lot of COVID-19 cases. As we all know, China is primarily a, uh, in the hospitals anyway, working with Western medication. They could not, they were not turning out patients who had recovered many were dying. So the government said, you will work with Eastern. There's a lot of experience already in pandemics and most of Western medication, we haven't had a pandemic. I mean, we've had Ebola, but it wasn't pandemic pandemic. Mm -hmm. So they got together and in the process of that, we came out with um, pretty much five stages on that. You've got a prevention stage, you've got the, the flu stage, you've got the in-between, the flu is getting worse, but we haven't quite hit pneumonia. We call that the early pneumonia stage. Then we have pneumonia and then we have recovery. Two important or three important stages that Western medicine is not addressing are preventative, the early stages when you're in convalescent, you're just shelter in place, and recovery. 
because you have gone through hell and back as far as your body's concerned. And you have, while they need the beds and they need the respirators, you, you still need help getting better. And this is, these are the areas where Chinese medicine excels. Preventatives, um, qi. It, it promotes the generation of T cells and B cells uh, for macrophage activity to, to kill stuff off. Jin Yi Hua, um, I wrote some of this down just so that I wouldn't misspeak. Antibacterial and antiviral. Um, it does show inhibitory effects for SARS-CoV, which is an important one. Ban Long Gun, oh, I love this herb so much. I just cannot tell you how much I love this herb. This does, it's like the Superman. There should be an S instead of a B starting with this herb's name. Antibacterial, antiviral, antimicrobial, anti-inflammatory, antitoxin. And that's just the top five. Um, and immune boosting. So it's, antitoxin is not one that a lot of people understand. Um, if viruses you have to know already, they're not living. You do not kill a virus. I don't care how many people say, oh, we're gonna kill the virus. It's not a living thing, you will not kill it. So the, the, the body starts to, to tear it apart and break it down. The pieces of, whether it's bacteria or a virus, they can have toxins associated with them that can create reactions in the body. So Bamangan is one of those herbs that helps take care of that problem. So that's in a lot of uh, formulas as you get further along. There are two formulas for the convalescents at home that uh, we call flu one, flu two. And basically, are you showing more of the cold type symptoms or are you showing more of the heat type symptoms? Mm -hmm. And the goal is to arrest this before you move into the, the early pneumonia phase. Because once you get there, this goes very, very fast. So you don't, you don't want to, if you, I know getting tested is really hard right now. In fact, there's a person at the top sitting in an office that's not exactly round, but not square that uh, just ended the funding for testing in Texas, which I think is ridiculous because the tests, the, over the 21st and the 22nd, we had almost 4,000 cases confirmed. So it's going to. So if somebody was interested in these herbs. Go see a practitioner. Go you see a traditional months. Chinese practitioner yeah. or, an, or an acupuncturist who has right. traditional Chinese medicine and say, I need some of the help with these herbs um, for my prevention or otherwise, right? Because yes. you need um, a licensed Chinese, traditional Chinese medicine practitioner to actually yes prescribe them in that way. It's not something you don't, you're not going to go to the health food store and find it in the tea aisle or in the, or in the herb aisle or the vitamin aisle. This is what we're talking about here is that in the traditional Chinese medicine way of seeing things, there are certain herbs and herbs are medicine and, mm -hmm. and Beautiful. are treated like medicine mm -hmm. in, in this, in this paradigm we're talking about. It's not mm -hmm. just, oh, I think I'm going to go have some chamomile tea. That's not what she's talking about. Mm -hmm. Laura is talking about understanding that there's herbs that are medicine. So mm -hmm. go find a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner that you vibe with, that you really trust, and listen to them because they have some understanding that's different and yeah. complementary to other ways of looking at things. None of the herbs that I mentioned would you take would you use for COVID alone? You wouldn't. They, they are blended in formulas that some of them would be in, in the same formula, but do we have herbs that actually 
actively work against SARS-CoV? Yes, we do. Um, if you are unsure about that and you just want to maintain some good health, elderberry is a good one. Don't make it yourself. It's got a hydrogen sulfide gas byproduct and people get sick from that. Just go buy it. Right. Buy it as, um, and I heard, I heard a lot of press that elderberry was not something to take if you were if you had COVID going on. Um, so so the, the point I'm saying, because I don't want to get it too far into the conversation on the, on the podcast, because yeah. that's not what this podcast is about at all. Right. The point is educate yourself. The point is find licensed, qualified human beings and get multiple viewpoints and right. then check in with your own soul and see what works for you. Yes. Because to anything you hear one side of the story, you will hear the other side of the story too. It matters that all of us use our discernment and our due diligence and educate ourselves properly Yes. So that we have a way of approaching our own health and well-being in a way that serves us. May I add one thing on that? Mm -hmm. People looking for an acupuncturist um, can go to NCC, Nancy Charlie Charlie, A-O-M dot org. You can literally look up your state and you know what's close to you and find someone. That said, not all states require that Eastern Pharmacology Board. This is a state-by-state, state, depending on the boards that are required. I would recommend that you find someone, even if you're in a state that doesn't require it, you find someone who has taken and passed that board because it demonstrates a better handle on yes. putting this together. Right. Find a specialist. Find somebody who knows what they're doing. And if you're not sure where to start, go to the show notes. And contact Laura because she'll sure. help you find the right person or she'll help you herself. Yes. Because that's yeah. the way that we roll here. So I know we're getting close to the end and I could talk to you forever, but I have to, I have to make sure that I'm conscious of, of our listeners' time, of your time, and of my time. So I have one question for you, a okay. final question. And that is, if you were going to create a billboard for the whole world to see, what would be on your billboard? Ooh, let's see. God, there's a lot of topics on my billboard. Um, eat, eat like you want your body to heal. Eat like you want your body to heal. That's beautiful. I love that one. Thank you, Laura. So is there anything that's, that's on your heart that it feels incomplete or that you wanted to say that we didn't get a chance to say before we say goodbye. Oh, the world of Chinese medicine is so much more vast than just needles. And that's the beauty of it. It's a highly refined, very safe form of medicine with lots of options. That if you're a needle, if you're needle afraid like I was, don't worry, there's other stuff that can be done. There are doctors in China that only prescribe formulas. Um, acupuncturists are separate there. So there's there's so much. If you have never explored, and this is really just for the women, um, Chinese medicine for gynecological issues starts. That is a huge gaping hole in our medical system uh, currently. The options you have there will blow your mind. So have an open mind. Go check out yeah. some different things and allow yourself to realize that there's always more to know. There's always more to experience. And our health, our welfare, the way our bodies operate, mind, body, soul, 
are just so complex and have so many amazing, fascinating parts that we just barely scratch the surface Yeah. in the last hour we've been talking. So thank you, Laura, so much for being on the show with me today <laughs> and answering all my questions and telling us all this fascinating information. I took a lot of notes because I think it was so amazing. And I really appreciate you offering help for anxiety for people mm-hmm. and something that's, that's different and doable. So thank you very much. My pleasure. And thank you so much for having me. And we'll talk with you, jam, down, you know, jam at a table like this anytime you want. This was loads of fun. All righty, cool. I'm so glad to hear that. So remember, everybody, that if you really resonated with what Laura is saying, follow her on on social media, email her, contact her through the show notes of this show, and let her know you heard her here on Someone Gets Me. And in the meantime, keep your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star and you're here on purpose with a purpose. And it's our job to step up and be seen. So go let your light shine. Live your vision, just like Laura's doing. And until the next episode of Someone Gets Me, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.